They all said? I think we can do better than that. And they all said? Amen. Amen. Didn't they do a good job? Amen. Takes a lot of practice to do that. We appreciate so much what they do. We're in John 16 today, and uh, we're going to talk about moving from sorrow to joy. From sorrow to joy. And if you've been along with us for this ride, you know that the upper room discourse and all that's transpired at this point, and, and now that Jesus is coming to the last thoughts he's going to share with his disciples prior to going to the cross. And, uh, of course, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we know he'll be arrested. He'll be tried three times, and then he will be crucified and buried, and three days later he will resurrect. But as we think about this, these men that were with Jesus were just like us. They were real people with real problems, and they had real fears. So when they were told, hey, I'm going to leave you, and you can't follow me, that was very unnerving for them. And they they were like, wait, where are you going to go that we can't go? I mean... Because where you are, we want to be there as well. And, and Jesus says, you know what? You're not going to be able to be there. You're not going to be able to go with me. And so the disciples are fearful at this point because he said he's going away. And they don't have any idea, any clue where he is going. So they're not only confused, but they are also very, very fearful. Now, the principle is simple as we look at John chapter 16. God brings joy to our lives. Now listen to me, that's not by substitution, but by transformation. Because often we think if I just had this or I had that, then that substitute would be fine. That would be what I need. But he brings transformation, which is total change in our lives. And that makes us go from sorrow to joy. Now there are two words I'm going to give you at the very end. If you don't get anything else, you'll get these two words. And these words will resonate with you this week, hopefully, and you'll be able to utilize them in your lives. So today we're going to talk about moving from sorrow to joy. So would you stand with me? We're going to read a couple verses. Then as we go, I'll read more verses. In chapter 16 of John's Gospel, verse 16, Jesus says, A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, you will see me. Because I go to the Father. Then some of the disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Because I go to the Father. Therefore, they said, Therefore, what is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is saying. Now Jesus knew that they were desired to ask him. And he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned in joy. A woman, he says, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remains the, remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Father, bless the reading of your word, and open our hearts that we might understand how to move from sorrow to joy. And Father, I just pray that as we listen to the words of Christ, that we would uh, be reconciled with him. And also, as Rob prayed earlier, that our hearts would be prepared for the Lord's Supper following our service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
<clears throat> have you ever been clueless? <laughs> I know that's kind of an odd question, but have you ever been clueless? I uh, heard this story about Bob and Joe, and they were out hunting, and they got lost. And Bob said to Joe, he said, uh, you know, I've heard if you shoot in the air, people will come to rescue you. And Joe said, well, that sounds like a good thing. So Bob shoots three times into the air. Then Joe shoots three times in the air. Then Bob turns to Joe and he said, you know what? We only have three arrows left. (laughs) I know it's not a good joke, but listen, it shows they were clueless. And sometimes we can be clueless and really not understand what God wants to do in our lives. But the first, there's four things I want to point out to you here. And the first one is this. Anticipate the joy of reunion. A little while, you won't see me. In a little while, you will see me, Jesus said. And his disciples were like, Lord, we don't have a clue what you're telling us. And if you go back to, all the way back to John chapter 6, working up to John chapter 8, he's been saying this the whole time. I mean, he's been sharing with them I'm going to go away. I'm going to leave you. And they're like, what, what do you mean you're going to leave us? Aren't you going to prepare a kingdom here on earth for us? And we're going to be your right-hand men. And we're all going to just have power and joy. And Jesus said, no, that's not the way it's going to work. I mean, think about it. The Last Supper, even, there was Peter beside Jesus. And he said, Peter, Peter, you're not going to see me much longer. I'm going to be gone from here. And you, where I go, you cannot follow me. So this immediate application that I have that I understand is this. They will weep at Jesus' death, but they will rejoice at His resurrection. I mean, Jesus basically tells them, listen, I'm, I'm going away. You're not going to understand where I'm going, and you won't know the way. And Jesus is basically telling them in a few hours, they are all going to flee from Him. And not only will they flee from Him, but they only John and Peter come to the trials, and then Peter runs away because he denied Christ three times, and he's in anguish, and then the others just ran away because they were fearful, and they hid. But if they had understood what Jesus was telling them, listen, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to be crucified, but don't worry about it, three days later I'm going to resurrect, don't you know that third day they would have been at the tomb that morning with anticipation that he's going to resurrect? Wouldn't that have been something to be able to understand? But they were clueless. And often in the Christian life, we are clueless. We don't have any idea what's going on. And we kind of scratch our heads and say, well, I just don't understand that. Uh, What do you mean? I mean, three days later, they would listen to him. They would eat with him. They would touch him. Uh, They would see him walk through a door, a locked door into a a room that they were in. they They would have had joy. They would have had that anticipation. But because they don't understand, they are sorrowful. Now, the ultimate application is this, and it's for us, not for the disciples. One day, we will leave this world of tears, and we will enter into the joy of the presence of the Lord. Now, imagine entering into the joy of the presence of the Lord, being able to, to, to be in heaven with our Heavenly Father. I know I've heard so many people say, you know what, I want to go, and I, I want to see my mother. I want to see my father. I, I want to see my loved ones. I, I, I want to see this church member that we used to have that I really admired and, and loved, and, and we, we say all those things. And there was a song written in 1923 
It stayed in obscurity until the Gaither band picked it up and sang it. And it talks about going to heaven. And it talks about seeing loved ones. And then seeing Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and, and all of those. And then Paul and Timothy. But then it says, I want to see Jesus, the one who died for me. And that's what we want to see. That great anticipation is to see Jesus. And those disciples, they were missing out on this because they thought Jesus was going away and they would never see him again. And it brought great sorrow to them. He uses this illustration of childbirth. Every mother here that's experienced childbirth can identify with this. There is pain in childbirth. Not because I've experienced it, but because I've been there with someone that experienced it. And I remember we took Lamaze. How many took Lamaze classes? Anybody here? Yeah, several took Lamaze classes. And we took Lamaze classes, and, you know, I was going to be the coach, and I was going to be there breathing, you know, you guys remember how it goes. I mean, you know, you do that Lamaze breathing. Well, and you, you had to time these contractions. And, you know, the contractions were supposed to start a long way apart. And then over time, they were to get closer and closer and closer because that indicated childbirth was about to happen. Well, I worked in labor and delivery in the Air Force. So, you know, I'm, the, I'm this expert because, you know, I've been there for some deliveries. And uh, Sandy goes into labor. And I said, you're not in labor. No, you're not in labor. I know what labor is. I've been there too many times. You're not in labor. I'm in labor. I'm in labor. In Lamaze, they teach you not to say pain, contraction. You're having a contraction. It's not pain. <laughs> well, finally, I said, okay, I'm going to take you to the, the hospital just to prove that you're not in labor. And I take her in there, and guess what? She's in labor. All my wisdom. And uh, she had back labor which was really, really painful. And I didn't get to do any coaching. She told me, you get out of here. She reached up. I had four chest hairs at that time, and she extracted all four. Later on, she said, those weren't contractions, that was pain. And if you're a lady, you've gone through childbirth, you know what he's saying. But then after the pain is over, what comes next? The joy of the human birth. And you, you forget all about the pain and now it's just this euphoric feeling. I have a child. God has blessed us with a child. And that, that sorrow, that pain turns to joy. And, and that joy is lasting until you get that child home. <laughs> I'm just kidding but what a reunion it's going to be when we go through this world of sorrow and this world of struggle and this world of pain and this world of loss and then we step to the other side and immediately there is no more sorrow, there's no more suffering, there's no more pain, there's none of this any longer because you're in a perfect place with perfect people with a perfect Savior. And the sorrow is gone and now it's just complete joy. So the anticipation of the reunion brings joy. Secondly... Ask the Father anything in Jesus' name, our text tells us. We can ask anything in His name. Look at verse 23 and 24. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father 
in my name he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now let me put an exclaimer on this, okay? People with the wealth and health gospel say, well, you can ask for anything and God's going to give it to you as long as you ask in Jesus' name. It's not what it's saying. When it, when it, what it's saying is this. When you come and you ask in the name of Jesus, it, this, this is not some incantation that's going to bring about a million dollars for you or, or a new car or a new home or whatever you're asking for. What it means to ask in the name of Jesus is you're praying now the will of God. Not your will, but the will of God. And that's why we say, in Jesus' name, amen. Because you're saying, Lord, I want what you want for me because you know what's best for me. I do not know what's best for me. You know, I remember being in a Razorback football game when I was a teenager. I was just finished my, our football season, senior year, and we were playing Baylor. We were in the old SWC, Southwest Conference. And guess where I was seated? At the very top of the stadium, I could look over and see the street below. Now, I had the bird's eye view, and I could see things that were happening on the field that other players that are on the field couldn't see, because I could see it all at one time, and they could not. So I was screaming, you need to go here, or you need to do that, he's open, and they couldn't see it, but I could see it. Here's the deal, you and I, we have the worm's eye view. We're just kind of creeping along here on earth and we see what's here. God's up here. He sees everything. And that's why if we pray His will, our lives are going to be better than if we pray our will. But so often, we just want to say, Lord, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Now, years ago when our kids were small, used to take them to the fair. You know, they, they love the fair. I hate the fair. It's hot, it's dirty, you know, it's, it's just no fun to, to me. I'm sure when I take my grandchildren, it will be. But I remember Josh Crystal, I, you know, I bought a roll of tickets. You know how you buy all those tickets and it takes two to this ride, three for this or whatever? Well, they wanted to go in the Tilt-A-Whirl. So I hand some tickets to Crystal, I hand some tickets to Josh. This other kid puts his hand out. I said, I don't know you. And Josh said, Dad, that's my friend. I told him you'd give him tickets. Okay, so I gave him tickets. You see, that's the same principle when you ask of the Father through the Son, guess what He does? He gives you what you need. And I wasn't going to deny that kid tickets since my son said, Dad, he's my friend. So I gave him the tickets. Now, thirdly, admit that we'll never know all the answers. Look at verse 25 through 30. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, now you're speaking plainly and using no figures of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things. And have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. First off, we need to admit we'll never know everything. And Jesus is speaking plainly to them at this point. And they say, oh, we got it. We understand. But they don't. They're still clueless. 
They think they understand, but they still don't understand. Because in a few moments, they'll run, a few hours, they'll run away from him. They won't see him. Have you ever said, I got it. I got it. But you don't got it? You ever said that? I got it. And it's like, no, I don't got it. I grew up, we grew up without a, without a transportation except Pat and Ben. And Pat of our foot and the bend of our knee. We didn't have a car. And so everywhere we went, we walked. Well, as I grew up and got a car, I knew nothing about a car. Still don't know anything about a car. Except that it needs to go and it needs to stop. That's about all I know. I don't know any of the parts. I mean, I know the gas tank. I know few, but, I mean, I don't know anything about a car. Well, in 1994, Sandy and I happened to have, we'd, we'd, we'd buy old junk cars because we couldn't afford anything really nice. So in 1994, we had bought this 1982 Chrysler New Yorker. My friend Dennis Harbour uh, said, this is a good car. Well, it was a good car. It rode like a luxury car. It was an old one, but it had to warm up to go in reverse. The transmission was going out. So you'd put it in reverse, and you'd, you'd, you'd mash the accelerator, and eventually it, it, you'd take off. And I'm sure some of you have had junky cars like that as well. Well, Dennis said, let's fix that transmission. I said, okay. He said, uh, I'm, I'll start up top. You go down below. So I, I get under there, and I'm looking around. I don't know what a transmission is. I don't know where to start. I said, Dennis, do I take this big blue pan off? He said, don't touch a thing. I'll be right there. I was clueless. I had no idea. And the disciples said, yeah, I got it. But they didn't got it. They didn't have it. They thought they were getting it, but they missed the mark as far as they shot at it. And... Again, if they had have gotten it, they would have been there Easter morning to welcome him back. I mean, when Jesus resurrected, they spent 40 more days with him. And they said, okay, now we got it before he ascended back to heaven. And then when he was ascending back to heaven, in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, they say these words. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, I mean, he's, he's about to ascend. Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, are you going to set up this physical kingdom we've been wanting all of this time? I'm sure Jesus did that. He said, bye guys. And he ascended to heaven. You'll get it in Pentecost. You'll understand it then. So what's the takeaway from that? None of us can say that we don't know all things about God. We don't. You are just a student. I am just a student. We will never get to the point where we say, oh, I know everything. You can have more degrees than a thermometer, but it doesn't mean you're going to know all the answers. You will never be an expert in the Bible. And if someone says they're an expert in the Bible, run from them. We are all students of the Bible. That's it. Lastly, accept the peace that Jesus offers during suffering. Verses 31 through 33. Jesus answered, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, now has come, that you'll be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But, 
be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, we are living in great times of sorrow and suffering. We have been in the midst of a pandemic for quite some period of time with a lot of our believers losing their lives, families losing members. We are experiencing a war that we're watching and wondering about. There are economic struggles, unemployment, debt, inflation, violence. Just last night, more violence. You watched it in Atlanta. And I think many people are really suffering from what one psychologist called crisis fatigue. People are just at wit's end. But I want you to understand something. We as believers don't get our worldview from the news media. We get our worldview from the Bible. And if you'll stand fast, focus, you'll understand All of these things will pass away, but the Word of God will not, and the souls of man will not. So it is our responsibility to say, Lord, thy will be done. Now, in another translation of the Bible, in verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me your peace may be full. In the world you will have tribulation, but, he says, here. Be courageous. Be courageous. And that's what we are to do. We are to be courageous. In the midst of trials, adversities, difficulties, war, whatever's transpiring in our world, whatever's going on in your personal world, listen, we are passing through storms. We are headed to storms, but we don't live in storms. So remember, God has it. And we just need to say, Lord, thy will be done. So be courageous. That's how you move from sorrow to joy. The greatest joy that there is is when we come into a personal relationship with Christ. That's the greatest joy of all. And there's no greater joy than having that. There's no greater joy than having that in your home because it brings peace. brings peace. If you've never known Christ or if you've never given your heart to Christ, today is the opportunity. And if you have given your life to Christ and you just want to be part of this fellowship, you need to come and join this church. Go to work for the kingdom. And if you're here and you just need to come to the altar and pray because sorrow has, just have, has you trapped and you need joy, come to the altar and pray. Whatever the need is, let's pray. Father, I pray for your will to be done. The only thing that's truly important in life is pleasing you. Thank you for your love, for your mercy, and your grace. Have your way in this time. For it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.